This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Our coverage uh, brought to you by Ford and uh, Good Lord, I can't remember who else. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob, who who else is bringing us these shows? uh, (laughs) I'll find it here, but we'll we'll make mention of that as well with our playoff coverage brought to you, of course, by by Ford as we did throughout the the preseason. And um, there's topsy turvy times. (laughs) So much going on right now. There is, including the the Cleveland Browns are just. I actually have the list right in front of it here on, on the NFL Network of guys that have been on COVID within the last two weeks. Just in the last two weeks, yeah. And there's many. I mean, what is there, a dozen names there? More than that. There's Five more today, right. uh, including two more players, three three coaches, including Kevin Stefanski. The head guy. The head guy. And, oh, by the way, he's also the play caller. Yes. Offensive designer, all that stuff. Um <laughs> And he's out, right? It's he, not like yeah, he will not coach in this or, game. Yeah, obviously that's a huge deal. Um, I think he's very much in the coach of the year, you know, you know, candidate, and yeah. has done a tremendous. Is Brian job Flores there. out of that now that they get their? I, think so. I mean, the votes yeah. tomorrow. All the, the votes, votes tomorrow. have to be in tomorrow. Yeah, I think Flores is done. Yeah, um, but Stefanski's done a great job. I don't know if he's a good game day coach or not. To be honest, it's been. I, I don't know games. either. I mean, honestly, their two marquee wins. This season, we're over the Titans and Colts, right? Two other teams that have suspect defenses. Some interesting stats are putting up too. Just how much better the offense has been, which is undeniable. It's yeah, way way better. I don't know if he's a good game day coach or not. I'm not saying he's good, bad, whatever. But at least he's done 16 games of it. You know, and right? He, you know, calling timeouts, substitutions. Um, should I go for it on fourth down? Those type of things are what I'm concerned about. But Running meetings, that, uh, right, right, yeah, exactly. Prep for the seat for the week. I mean, that's gigantic. You know, time efficiency throughout the coat or throughout the entire week and play or uh, practice time. And I guess you could still do that while you're on the. I mean, you're yeah. So, I mean, you're still nobody's probably. in the building anyways. I mean, you're not True. Ha- having the face to face meetings, but that game day situations. Um, and he's going to have to turn the play calling over to Alex Van Pelt. That's where I was going with this. I think that's the bigger deal. Yeah, you know, because it's not like. Again, I don't know if he's great or bad on game day as a head coach, as a game manager. But I do know he's done a really good job with play calling and play design and mostly making Baker's life easier. And that's the beauty, that's the key of it. And Van Pelt's helped with that, I'm sure, but not as a play caller on game day. It's the, against a great it's the same thing playoff. that we talked about yesterday with Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. who gets credit for, for the, the, the Chiefs offense, but right. it's Andy Reid calling the plays. And it's his design. This is the same his... situation. So if you took Andy Reid out of the equation, mm-hmm. And then Eric Bieniemy's calling the plays. Okay, that's di- it's going to be different. It's going to be different, right? And it might work fine. I mean, they they probably have a lot of the same ideas. This is when he's we take watched our him shots. do call sure, the plays sure. all season long. He's but helped him. Never done it. Yeah, I mean, it's still riding a bike situation. You know, you've never done it. It's uh, weird to me. What does the? 
other than oversee the offense, mm-hmm. if you're the offensive coordinator and you're not calling the plays. With a, like a massively offensive-minded head coach yeah. and all that. What are your duties other than you know, kind of yeah. sitting down with the head coach and developing a game plan, overseeing the offensive staff? Right. Then you, what? You, you might not even – they don't even coach your position. Right. Like I'm curious <laughs> – for people who don't realize, I mean, generally – you know the, the meeting schedule is you go to your position room and you sit there with you know three other quarterbacks or whatever ten other linemen, and you work you talk about technique and the, whatever you know you get coached up. Well, where's he at? You know, I mean, I guess yeah. he just in his office. Go to the quarterbacks more room. I, I would assume Maybe he hangs with Baker. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Every team's probably different, but they they have a quarterback coach and they have an offense coordinator and they have a play. They get about seventy two coaches, <laughs> as, as a lot right, of these right. teams do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys who. They had something. It was, uh, it was some weird title about somebody who oversees the medical crazy title. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, medical they're... compliance or something like that. He's going to make that. That's the person who's going to make the announcement if guys are going to come off the COVID list or not. Like, this is just wow. Too okay. many cooks in the really kitchen. Heard of that that title? But well, I do know. I mean, from experience and since that organization always has a lot of change and never has a lot of stability. There's always a new title. I always tell the story like I come off the road and. A secretary, somebody in the lunch, you know, the the lunch lady, or maybe our offensive line coach is, <laughs> is gone. You know, like it's, you just never know. There was always a new phone list whenever I got off the road, like because somebody in the organization came or went every time. It was crazy. Yeah, I don't think the Steelers are quite that way. Um, so how would this could uh, this would be for Baker Mayfield? Let's see, he's had he had four offensive coordinators in his first three years, right? So this is his fourth year. This would be his sixth offense, seventh off, no sixth offensive okay. play caller in four play years. Play caller. It's not a good way of developing, <laughs> and he's developing better. I mean, yeah. like what's what they've done now is working. You know, obviously, um, of course, Van Pelt's not swimming blind here. I right, mean, he realizes he's been around. We're gonna have to roll him out. We need to run play action. You know, I mean, we're gonna this thing needs to go through Chubb. We got a good line. You but know, when the, when the it. chips are down, when the, when it's on the line, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you ha- you'll have your game. You'll have your your place. Your your scripted part of the game. But once that's out the window and it, those plays work or they don't work, yeah, then what? You know, that's that's the next part of it. I'm trying to think of like another sports analogy, like. Pitcher has his go-to pitch. Like I've been setting that batter up, and here comes the slider, and he and I am going to save it for the ninth. You know what yeah. I mean, or something. Or I used to play a lot of pickup hoops, and I'm a big guy. I might not do my best move until I really need it, but I know I can get the hook shot off on this guy all day long. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it, there's a feel for it because you played so much. I mean, I'm sure it's the same. He's not going to have a go-to bread and butter call or know exactly what to do. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know he'll talk with Stef- the, he and Stefanski will talk, and they'll, mm-hmm. but there are things that come up during games that that's the analogy I used on yeah. the podcast today was you can't hit pause. Go to the fridge, get a beer. Yeah, you know, think about the. Wait play. a second. Let me let me call Kevin and see what Kevin would run. Right. Here. That doesn't. That doesn't. You got thirty seconds. Things you know? happen so <laughs> fast, and even if there aren't a ton of people in the stands, it's going to be loud. It's going to be fast paced. It's going to be pressure against a really good defense. Playoffs. You know, the communication of it all. You know, and then there's a ripple effect too. Like everyone has a game day job. Right. You guys are in the booth, and you're in charge of watching coverages. You watch all their safeties. Well, Van Pelt had some job that right. somebody else has to do now. Well, look at what know. happened to the Lions a few weeks ago when they didn't have disaster. their coaching staff. Right. What a disaster. I mean, it, that game was could not have been any it's more lopsided. Half. 
Yeah. Yeah. Could not have been any more lopsided. Could have been any more lopsided. I mean, it was as bad as Denver not playing with a quarterback. Right. I mean, it yeah. really was. It really, yeah, it was, absolutely The, the was. product on the field was that bad. Because it, it, no matter what the situation is, uh, even if you look at uh, the year that, that New Orleans didn't have Sean Payton on the sidelines, mm-hmm. it's like having a substitute teacher. Oh, it is. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It, I forget who's used this example. I'm going to steal from him, but I forget who I've heard it from. It's it's part of the Belichick tree problem. Like, it's really easy to be Matt Patricia. Not really easy, but comparatively speaking, to be Matt Patricia and be the defense coordinator or Josh McDaniels when the principal's down the hall. Right. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know Bill's at the end of the hallway, and if things don't go right, you got to go answer to Bill. But when you got to be Bill, it's a heck of a lot different story. Yeah, when you got to be the teacher, you're in charge, <laughs> yeah, right, and now right. – and I've been in that situation before. I've you know I've been a situation you know where I've been the manager or coach of a team, mm-hmm. and I've been where I've, where I've helped somebody out. When you're helping somebody out, or the assistant coach or the assist you know the just one of the coaches, it's a different. You don't want to step on the coach's toes. No, right. You have to show respect. Yeah. And there's a, you don't want to step on the manager's and, toes. Right. Right. That makes sense. So you're not quite as vocal as you normally would be. You're, yeah. You're not. You know. You don't want to. Overstep your bounds. I forget who the special teams coach's name is. Who's going to be Pfeiffer the, or something? Okay, like that. yeah, yeah. He's going to be the game day coach. Yeah, but what about he's when never done a, that? I was say, what about when there's a discussion in your ear? Should we call the fake punt here? Should we go for it on fourth and three? Okay, what do you think, Johnny? I mean, like, there's stuff that. Yeah. Who am I listening? Should we challenge this? Yeah, you right. know, that kind of stuff. All those type of things that have to happen like this. You know, should I call time out here? I, I, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be asking for advice as. Belichick does. I mean, all those guys ask for somebody's in their ear. Is that communication going to go smoothly? I mean, is he going to? Are their special teams going to suffer? Is he going to not be in charge of? Boy, uh, our gunners not getting off this coverage very well. I'm too busy dealing with fourth downs to deal with the special team stuff. Like, there's always going to be a ripple effect. Like, they probably got worse on special teams by promoting the special teams coach. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking here. Uh, Bill Callahan's on the staff. I mean, he's very experienced. Yeah, he's he's an experienced guy. So you, you have some uh, Stump Mitchell's been around for a long mm-hmm. time, the running backs coach. Um, just looking here at the rest of this. Uh, again, they got like 72 coaches. I never understood that either. But um, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean it, that those it's are just going to be different. Those are the guys. Uh, you know, then you're you know. And you mentioned before we go on the air. I'm kind of surprised. You know, why wouldn't you make Callahan the guy? At least he's done it before. At least he's done it. But O line coach is a big job on it. Game is. Day. It, it is. It really yeah. is. I mean, uh, boy, Cam Hayward's three feet shaded more to the left. Than well, he used it's to be. it's a really big job. We haven't talked about the players who tested positive. Yeah. Today. And one thing I'm gonna throw out just before we do though, because you mentioned this, and I thought it was a good point before we hit record today, that they had hoped to get Van Pelt. A game of play calling you know, in the preseason. No preseason, yeah, yeah, right. Like we've seen that with the enemy. I, I think he's done a yeah. a week seventeen here and there. And or, and the know. Steelers did that with with Randy Fichtner when when, yeah, when Todd right, Haley right, was right, the offensive right, coordinator. Right. They would give Fichtner a game. You just call the game just because to get you. it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, it's, it's not, not just like yeah. you can't pick it up on you know thrown into the action in a playoff game. You need practice. Now this is Van Pelt's. I, here's how old I am. Van Pelt's rookie year was 1993. Coming out of it, my first year covering the Steelers. Wow, so you've been we around, were, long and we were the Pelt. same age. Right, right, right. You know, so wow, he's been around. He's been. Uh, this is his 16th year as an NFL coach. Um, and he played quarterback for nine years. So it's not. He was like in the league he, for nine. He was in the league for nine years. Drafted mostly, by the Bills, mostly right? as a backup, um, but it was always been as a quarterbacks coach. This is his first. Sure. You know, his first real chance as an offensive coordinator. Um, 
and you haven't called games. I, I, I assume he hasn't called games. I mean, I mean, maybe at some level he has, but he's been in the NFL the whole time. It's not like they let you know. You got to be pretty high on the chain of command to get a chance to call a game. Yeah, and I'm looking here. You know, he was in Green Bay as quarterbacks coach. He was in Tampa Bay as quarterbacks coach. Running back, running backs coach with Green Bay. Uh, quarterbacks coach with uh, Cincinnati. So, I'm sure it came out by now that he, if he had. If yeah, they gave him I mean, a whole game, I and mean, maybe he got a preseason game or something. But so, still, other than that, be I mean, other than him. Van Pelt, Callahan, um, Stump Mitchell, very well. Most of these guys, most of these guys are young guys are on their on their staff. Um, not a lot of experience. Not a lot of experience. Yeah. You know, uh, Pfeiffer or Pfeiffer, I should say, is the guy who's their special teams coordinator is going to mm-hmm. be the head coach. Um, he does have experience. He's been around for a while. He's with the Vikings. Okay. Actually, got suspended by the Vikings for using a gay slur, mm. uh, a homo- homophobic slur. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, since brought him with them. Yeah. You know. Uh, so he's got some. He's got some experience here. But they're going to be down players too. Well, yeah. We I talked about we the Denzel Ward situation right. yesterday. Joel Batonio being out. Is that a done deal? Those guys are out. It's Batonio. Yeah. yeah. He tested positive, and, and he's a very good guard. He's a Pro Bowl guard. He's a yeah. Pro Bowl guard that used to be a tackle that is a very good player that's even the best of Ooh, guards. Oh, by the way, would line up opposite Cam Hayward. Right. It has a <laughs> difficult you know, job at hand. Um, yeah, he's a big loss for them. It doesn't sound like much. I mean, oh, it's a guard. It'll be all right. But he's a, a good one. He and Kadero Hodge is the other guy who tested positive. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, their number three receiver, uh, had a concussion coming out of that game on mm-hmm. Sunday. So his status is up in the air. Hodge would have been the guy who replaced him uh, in those three receiver sets. Now you're down to again. And he's made a couple plays. Yeah, I mean, he and he's actually one of the guys yeah. on their roster with playoff experience. Oh, does it from his time with the Rams? Yeah, it's something at least. I mean, they only have 15 of them. I mean, they were thin at receiver. I mean, it was really Odell and Landry when everything was yeah. rolling, and then and Higgins is fine. I mean, he's probably a stretch as a three, but he's okay. Um, and Landry's a stretch as a one. But now, I mean, people Jones is flashed. I mean, he's a combine he's warrior. A, he's a return and, guy. Yeah, right, you know, right. He's he there. can get downfield at least. Yeah. And this dude, Hodge, is flashed. But, I mean, what, the, what kind of three receiver sets are they going to put out there? I mean, I'm sure you're going to see a lot of two and even three tight ends. Yeah, I would think so. And I, I think mm-hmm. you would think that the other part of the equation, um, I would think that they want to protect Baker Mayfield from himself early in this football game and not have him throw the ball a lot. And I did want to talk about that in the next segment, uh, that that playoff experience at the quarterback position, because that's a huge, 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 huge advantage for the Steelers in this game. I really think the first couple drives, the first quarter in general, is crucial in this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we'll talk about that when we return. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. Our coverage, of course, brought to you by... Uh, FedEx. Ah, yes. There's the, that's the Our one I couldn't remember. Our friends, friends at FedEx and a Ford. Uh, so we will be back with the drive right after this. Back, I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. Our playoff coverage here on Steelers Nation Radio, brought to you by Ford and FedEx. And uh, Matt, uh, playoff experience. Yeah, 
Um, Mike Tomlin was asked about that today during his press conference. Really tried to to play it down a little bit. Said he doesn't give it much thought. But here's the reason why he cannot give it much thought. He's got a lot more. His he team has a lot more of it than the team that they're going to play on Sunday. Yeah, right. Uh, the Steelers have – now, they only have 26 players on their roster with playoff experience. The Steelers. Which okay. kind of gives you an idea of how quickly rosters get it, turned over. It's amazing, over. right. It's only been a couple years. Yeah. But wow. Um, the Browns have 15 players on their roster hmm. with playoff experience. I can't even, like, think of any. Well, here's the, <laughs> but here's the guy. A lot of them are guys like Kadero Hodge. Who yeah, as so you mentioned. players or Kendall Lamb, guys mm-hmm. like that who – Got you know they were on a team, but that doesn't mean they had a feature role. That yeah, they game had, in the playoffs. So the the guys who are going to see a lot of playing time in this game, who have playoff experience, Adrian Claiborne, who of course is going yeah, to he's been around the league, going to get more playing. He's got he's yeah, he's, he's actually got a Super Bowl ring. I believe he's the only hmm. guy Patriot. On, yeah, okay, the only guy in their roster with a Super Bowl ring. That probably adds up. I wouldn't have got that trivia either. Um, J.C. Treader, Terrence Mitchell, Jarvis Landry. Who had one game. Treader played with the Packers. The Packers, okay. yeah. Uh, Austin Hooper. Makes sense, yeah. He was in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Kareem Hunt and Jack Conklin. Wow. Yeah, that's um, not much. I and mean, they're all guys that they brought in from outside, right. of course. That Their total playoff experience of those guys, those guys are going to play is 25 games. Hmm. Ben Roethlisberger will be playing in his 22nd career <laughs> playoff game yeah. on Sunday. Uh, he has a 13-8 and record. If he wins this game on Sunday... Uh, that will make him 14-8 and eight in the playoffs. Uh, that would move him into a tie with Peyton Manning, John Elway, and Terry Bradshaw for the third most playoff wins in, history. in NFL history for a quarterback. Wow. Man, that's pretty elite company. That's, that's quite the again, statement. Again, right? Peyton Manning, John Elway, and Terry Bradshaw. It was four rings. Yeah. Well, between wow. those guys, there's, there's a bunch <laughs> of rings. <laughs> yeah, there's more than fits on yeah, your hands. I mean, everybody wants to... When you're when you're looking at Ro- Roethlisberger, you want to compare. They, they a lot of people want to compare him to Brady. Brady, mm-hmm. you, you throw Brady out of the equation. He's so far past everybody, yeah. and, and it's, his resume is. Yeah, you know. When you compare Roethlisberger to his other, like Peyton Manning, is fourteen and thirteen career record in the playoffs. Yeah. Wow. I, I was actually thinking, who else is ahead of? And ben there are people Brady? who think that Manning is the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. He's phenomenal, right? He's, and he's a great player. Hall of Famer ever. There right. are people who think that Drew Brees is sure. the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game. His playoff record is eight and eight. And you notice how they've gone out the last two years too. I mean, they were big favorites at home. You know, you know, unceremoniously went out the last two. There are people who think that Aaron Rodgers sure might be the greatest quarterback of all time. You know what Aaron Rodgers' playoff record is? There's no way he has 14 wins. He's 10 and 8. Okay. 10 and 8. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Been, a, like star- been a starter since 2009. Sure. Won oh, a Super Bowl in 2010. A couple MVPs in there, and right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so if you look at. I like to mention that Breeze and Rodgers each have one ring. One ring. I mean, yeah. and most people would concede they've had a better career than Ben, but they have one ring. One ring. He's got two. <laughs> He's got two. He's been to three. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, but people, uh, you know, I know, I get it. People in Pittsburgh want to pretend that it, it's easier or believe that it's, it's oh, you should just get me in the Super Bowl every year. Playoff wins, if you're hitting 500 and playoff wins, you are killing it. Like, I wonder what even Belichick's career playoff uh, win-loss record is. Of the current quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay, including Brady. Also. This is everybody. Yeah. This is all 70, however many guys there are mm-hmm. in the NFL. In the there are 10 quarterbacks who have a winning record in the playoffs. Wow, ten out of this, you know, and that includes guys like Blake Bortles. This is uh, that yeah. includes. Uh, you got to uh, start the game though, right? Like 
Yeah, that but that includes string quarterback. That includes Joe Flacco. Yeah, I was that includes is Nick Foles. That includes Blake Bortles <clears throat> and Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys who, had sh- who aren't you know aren't starting right now and, and didn't go to that many playoff games. Right. Some of them. They just, yeah, Flacco. Flacco was ten and five. That's pretty darn good. That's pretty good. Yeah, Nick Foles four and two. One year. Blake Bortles is two and one. Jimmy Garoppolo is two and one. Wow. Um, I mean, Blake Bortles being on that list shows well, that you can kind of yeah. luke your way through. You know. Yeah. Like I um, guess Tannehill won. Well, I guess only one. I he's two and one. Idea. Okay, yeah. He's two and one yeah, in his career. Uh, of the play, of the the quarterbacks in the AFC playoffs this year, they have twenty two career playoff games among them, not including Roethlisberger. Okay. He's got twenty one, so he's got almost as many playoff games under his belt as the rest of the AFC the field, of the AFC. and that includes Philip Rivers, who, by Rivers. the way, is five and eight in the playoffs. Sure, um, and that's a knock on him too. I mean, yeah, five and eight's not that bad. The only other quarterbacks in the AFC playoff field this year who have a winning record. It's got to be Mahomes. Mahomes at 4-1, and one, Ryan Tannehill at 2-1. and one. Wow. Um, Baker's 0-0. Of the 14 quarterbacks in this year's playoffs, only Roethlisberger, Mahomes, Tannehill, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson have winning records. That winning so that's record, 6 out of 14. Yeah. Wow. And then you've got guys like Baker Mayfield – Who've never played a playoff game before? Sure, I mean, I mean, I bet there's several Trubisky. And, yeah, you know, I mean, there's definitely. There. If you don't think that's a big deal, it's a big deal. Um, you know, it, it, I want to get back to the quarterbacks in a minute too, but I wonder if you did that with coaches. I mean, there's the Sean Paytons and Carrolls yeah. and Harbaugh's, but the Steelers have one of those. You know, I yeah. mean, the non-Belichick successful guys in the postseason. I wonder. I don't have the. Maybe I'll do it in the off season, but if you, I wonder what the collective playoff record of every Hall of Fame uh, quarterback was, or coach. Like I mean, like these are the best that ever done it. Yeah. If you add all the wins and losses of every starting quarterback in the Hall of Fame postseason, I bet they're hitting six out of ten. Probably right around there yeah, because I mean Brady. Brady. You know, right. Well, Brady's not in yet, so you can't. Right, you don't Peyton. count him. Yeah. Um, but for the, I mean, if you look at the list of guys, you know, quarterbacks in, in terms of wins in the postseason, mm-hmm. Brett Favre was thirteen and eleven. Mm. And um, that's good. Aikman was eleven and four. Roger Staubach eleven and six. I mean, folks, every team, every one of them gets an L except for one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> every year. Their, their Joe Montana was sixteen and seven. He's got the second most playoff wins. If Roethlisberger wins three games in these playoffs, he ties Joe Montana. For second. For second in playoff okay. wins. Wow. Um, yeah, he wins three <clears> over the next two years. Bart Starr was 9-1. Um, that's I'm pretty good. A little good. different yeah. then, but yeah, okay. Uh, Kurt, War- awesome, Kurt right? Warner, 9-4. and four. Uh, Jim Kelly, 9-8. and eight. Um, hmm. Steve Young was 8-6. and six. On a powerhouse team. Right? On a powerhouse team. Dan Marino, 8-10. and ten. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't think he'd be Kenny powerful. Stabler was 7-5. and five. Uh, Johnny Unitas, 6-2. and two. Bob Greasy six and five, Fran Tarkenton six and five. These are all Hall of Famers. You're These are. I'm, I'm just talking the Hall of Famers here. Uh, Again, Sid, if you add them all up, I bet they hit sixty-two percent. Sid Luckman was five and one. Len Dawson five and three. Otto Graham four and three. Hmm. Uh, Bobby Lane three and one. Sammy Baugh three and three. Dan Fouts three and four. Yeah, I say Fouts is um, any defense. Warren Moon three and seven. Wow. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Joe Namath was two and one in the playoffs. He went three times. He only went to, well. One, one. He went once. Twice. I guess he went two times. Yeah. Yeah. He lost one and won the Super Bowl the other time. Um, 
and, and things have changed a little in terms of and it changed the number again, of games. And number that, of that games. Kind of stuff, I mean, now yeah. there's seven teams in, and you know. But it's not easy. But winning playoff games is, if you're hitting fifty percent as a coach or a quarterback, you'll take it. I mean, that's strong. Yeah, nobody talks about what Drew Brees is a failure in the playoffs. He's eight and eight. Right, right, right. <laughs> Six of them are going to get lost. That's a full weekend. season's worth of games. If Drew Brees is eight and eight in a regular season, people are going, "Hey, this what is a not down this, year." Yeah, right, right. what a down year. If you look at the first playoff games for some of these future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Roethlisberger in his first playoff game, 17 of 31 for 181 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions in 2004. Steelers beat the Jets 20 to 17. Okay. It was not a great game for him. No, and he was a much different player, and the team was a much different. Absolutely. And the league was different. Yeah. But right, right, right. They were running. Brady in his first playoff game. You know what Brady's first playoff game was? Did he come in for Bledsoe? No, his first playoff, his first playoff game was the tuck roll game. Really? Okay. He, he he threw for 312 yards, but no touchdowns and one interception. They won the game 16 to 13, and really probably should have lost. Yeah, they probably should have. And, um, and he was a different player then too. Yeah, you know, they didn't have full confidence in Brady like they you know, did shortly after. Russell Wilson in his first playoff game, 15 of 26 for 181 yards and a touchdown. He was sacked five times. Wilson's actually kind of similar to Ben. Yeah. I mean, you think about his early years. That team was Legion of Boom, Lynch. Make a play, play here defense. There. Yeah, right. they won the game twenty four fourteen over the over Washington in two thousand twelve. Yeah, they didn't put up thirty very often in the early Seattle days. Uh, Breeze lost his first game uh, with the Chargers, his first playoff game. Okay, uh, lost to the Jets in two thousand five twenty to seventeen. Rogers lost his first playoff game fifty one forty five to the Cardinals yeah. in two thousand nine. Um, People are killing Lamar Jackson because he's zero and two. Yeah, <laughs> he's not zero and ten. He's zero and two. Yeah, it's. Uh, again, we've had this conversation a lot. I mean, to to put together what Ben has done in the postseason, especially over that many years, is really, really impressive stuff. I mean, that's upper-tier Hall of Fame stuff. And you're right. Brady's... He's, he's right, on his he's own. Gretzky, he, he, you know yeah, he's mean? on his own set plane. Changed everything, you know. Yeah. You give him credit. That's amazing. But But to expect Baker Mayfield to come out in this game, and I don't even know that Cleveland expects him to do this, but to go, come out and throw for... 250 or 300 yards and a couple of touchdown passes and he's never even had a 200 yard game against the Steelers right, in right, five right. starts he's yeah. yet to get yet to throw for 200 yards <laughs> not to mention I mean I know he's played in some big college games and all that but he's we talked about this yesterday I thought it was a good point by you too he's really high strong he's an excitable young man yes he's an excitable <laughs> young he's dangerous <laughs> and he can be dangerous either way you yeah know? I mean you know his heart's going to be beating out of his chest. He's going to be super pumped up. I don't know that that means you're better. You know, like, they always talk about this first Super Bowl, everyone's like, oh, it'll be like any other game. But the first quarter, all the lights go off, and I didn't play my best. You yeah. Know? You know, I, it took me a while to settle down. I can tell you from experience, um, of course, I live in Washington, mm-hmm. and we host the Pony League World Series every year. And every year, the the team from Washington gets an automatic bid Okay. Into the World Series. So I'm coaching I'm coaching this with my oldest son. And talk to him all the whole time. We're like, hey, guys, this is just another game. Sure. And we've, we've done really well in, in all the all-star tournaments we went to. Oh, I mean, you were a good team. Yeah, like, we were, were like, I don't know, 16-2 and two or something like, that, like okay. that in all-star games. And we go into this, this first game against a team we had beaten the previous year. No, so you're familiar with we, them. Yeah, we yeah they, they they had won the East Zone. We didn't play we didn't play in that a 13 year. I can't remember, but we had played them. We had beaten them. They do this thing where we're all standing up 
uh, up by the, the school, up above the stadium, and you have to do this walk into the stadium. And all the families wow, are out yeah. there, and, and, you know, there's... A lot of attention. You know, there's, yeah. there's three or 4,000 people in the stands. Okay. Now, I've played basketball in front of that many people. You have, but these are man. But these right, are 14-year-old yeah. kids. Yeah, sure, They've never sure. played in front of a crowd. This, So we're walking down the hill, and as we're walking down the hill, I could just hear them tightening up. I bet. I mean, just the, the frozen look on their face. And we went out and gave up seven runs in the first inning of the game. Was there an error or two? A er, couple yeah, of errors. Right, right. Pitcher couldn't throw strikes. You know, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And lost the game. Uh, I think we lost 10 10 nothing. Wow. Um, and that's a, not your style. Like, to a team a that we had beaten the previous year because, you yeah. know, it's, it's just. And I'm sure people are like, well, this is professional athletes, and Baker Mayfield won the Heisman, and he'll be fine. It, not really. I mean, it's still he's 24. You know, yeah. he, he hasn't done it he's 10 ne- times. He's never you know, done right? this before. He's never and with a, a coach that he might not trust. Throw, send it in the plays. He doesn't have his whoopie. You know, he doesn't have Stefanski in his ear. You know, for those 12 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever before he snaps. You know, before he you know goes out there and calls a play. It's going to be unusual. Yeah, I would be shocked if they don't try to get him a couple of easy throws early in the game. Maybe smart. A couple of wide receiver screens, something like that. Something that's yeah. you know, easy. They don't want his first pass to be, oh, it's third and nine, we got to throw down the field. At Minka. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, not a right, good right. plan. Yeah, with a long developing play, right. <laughs> that, all that being said, my biggest concern still, though, for this game, for the Steelers' perspective, is if they start really slow on offense – as they often do, as they usually do, and I don't know why, and your, your numbers were great on Ben in the first quarter. They're drastically worse than the rest of the game. Then you can play to this team's strength a little bit. Yeah. You know, the Browns, the Titans, and certainly the Ravens, they got to play their style. You know what yeah. I mean? And if you can get them playing left-handed, they're doomed. And I just wonder, I worry that the Steelers, that might take a while for the Steelers. Well, I think, I mean, you have to come out and stop the run early yeah, in this yeah. game. You can't let them just run the football down the field and, mm-hmm. and go down and score. But I'll say this. The Steelers have only given up one first one touchdown on the opening drive all season long. Now the defense I don't worry about yeah. necessarily. But if you let them hang around and it's 3 nothing after the first quarter and Chubb's got 40 yards, you know, and you're like, eh, you know, you're, you're playing their game then. But then, I mean, as we've seen over the course of the season, if, if it's 3 nothing, the Steelers are usually, I mean, they're going to, put up their 14 or 17 points in the second quarter mm-hmm. when Roethlisberger heats up. But you'd like to see Mostly. them start quicker. I mean, that's absolutely there's no more there's no doubt about that. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I you got to I mean, you think about the last time these two teams played here. What happened in that game? Minkith picks off Mayfield's yeah. first pass of the game and yeah, takes yeah. it for a touchdown. I mean, that game was over right then. And I'm sure he was Psyched up more for that Steeler game than a usual NFL game. As oh well. yeah, they right. thought they it's were good. Hey, right, we're going right. to beat the Steelers. The Steelers are unbeaten. We got, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're ready to take over. We're king, new king of the north. They're yeah, always right. talking like that, and and you know, boom, right out of the gate, he throws first pass of the game, interception, touchdown, mm-hmm. done. That wouldn't shock me. Would not shock me. I mean, either. I'm not predicting it, but it wouldn't shock me. You know, yeah. In a way, they're very different players, and Ben's had a way better career, of course. But you wonder who's going to have the worst first quarter. I mean, I mean, that's a, a bad way of saying it. Yeah. But I have faith in who's probably going to have the better three, last three quarters. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the other part of the equation is a lot of the struggles that the Steelers have had offensively early have been in the second half of the season when they faced some better defenses. Yeah. This is not one of them. No, it's not. And Miles Garrett's kind of a shell of what he's been. And Vernon's out. And 
They'll run the football against these guys again. Oh, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that – I don't know if we talked about this. I can't remember who had this conversation with. I apologize if it was what we had yesterday. Sometimes days run together. But I would run Connor in the ground. Yeah. I'd oh, that was uh, that was with us. Yeah. I, I mean, I play him every snap. He gets he gets twenty sna- twenty touches in this game. I don't yeah. care if it's in the run game or the pass game. He, he's not leaving the field in normal yeah. down and distance situations for me. Or because if you look at the last two games, it was it was uh, it, against uh, against Indianapolis. He had ten touches for sixty yards. Okay. I think against uh, the Browns on Sunday, he had fifty seven yards on fourteen touches. Okay, well, let's get it's him 20. The eyeball test is so much yeah. different when he's out there. Yeah. You know, the Browns want to see Samuel in the game. They want to see Snell in the game. Don't give it to him. You know, and if you're up big or you're down big or something, then Connor's not the guy. But treat him like he's Lev Bell. I no, mean, actually, if you're down big, he is the guy. Well, then he has to be true, <laughs> right, because right, they don't really have much else. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think you treat him like he's Lev Bell. He's not, but he's the closest thing you got. Yeah. And you're out there every snap. Absolutely. We're not rotating. We don't care. But this isn't McFarland. Learn let's get your letter. Game. Yeah, right. No, none of that. Or let's fiddle with a new personnel package with Samuel. Yeah. No. Again, that's one of those back. things that you do at the end of the game, the last minute of the game. Put, mm-hmm. Bring all the subs in off the bench. Let them let <laughs> yeah, them get right, their right, right. let them get their feet wet. But that's uh, yeah. You better be up. I have one other offensive personnel thing just to run by you, and I, I bet you agree. But do you think at this point, I know Filer's still kind of looming out there. Is Doxon now their left guard? If Filer is back. Filer will probably start. I don't think he's going to be back, though, for this Okay, game. yeah, I didn't think he would either. But yeah. What I'm saying is, like, do you think – well, I guess you disagree then. I mean, I, I kind of thought Dotson might be their left guard it's not what going they, to camp It's not starter. what they typically do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, I mean, Filer is one of those guys, as Mike Tomlin likes to say, the been there, done that kind of guys. Sure, I mean, he's, and it is a rookie. Yeah, I mean – I mean, it might you know. be next year camp. He might be the obvious starter. Oh yeah, there uh, there's no, there's no there. doubt about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I was thinking that might start now, but maybe that's a little premature. And you know, had the conversation. Um, you know, how about move, you know leaving him at guard and, and moving Filer out to, to tackle? Filer hasn't played tackle all year. He hasn't. I mean, he's he spent the entire season with his left hand in the dirt mm-hmm. instead of his right, and, and that's that's. Uh, I thought know. he was better as a tackle than he was this year as a guard. But that's not easy. It's not like – I mean, you're asking a third baseman to go play right field. I mean, it's yeah. not exactly the same. And I just like the idea of having Chooks then as my sixth offensive lineman. You could still do that, though. You still can. Yeah, yeah, I mean, can. you could you could move in those situations and say, hey, Matt, you're going to go out the right tackle. Mm-hmm. Dotson's going to play left guard, and Chooks is going to kick outside and be the, the tight end. Mm-hmm. Or really, you have your baseline, and Dotson just walks in there between – Filer and or that Pounder, yeah you know, yeah and, <laughs> that works too right you know yeah. I'm just gonna go in this this gap or you just you know you put you put Doxon inside of Chooks next to DeCastro and say we're gonna go strong on this side and mm-hmm. Chooks is gonna be the end he's gonna seal the end there and Dotson's gonna you know so there are ways to do this without sure. tearing up your entire offensive line you're making three moves yeah to do it. yeah that's a good point and I just liked seeing a blocking tight end this last week you know McDonald. I saw this today. He had the most snaps of anyone in the skill position players. Did well. You know, I mean, he's never going to be a dynamic guy. Rewatching anymore. the game last night as well, and it's t- it was tough to see it, you know, in, in live. But um, Kevin Rader acquitted them. Kevin kind of Rader, acquitted, Kevin Rader will be active on Sunday. That was actually my I'm, next question. For I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kevin Rader's active. You know, three three tackles on special teams. Blocked well. So you think they'll three tight ends active then? Yeah, because Ebron and because he Vance can play so special teams. Again, it goes back that's to the, the thing, you know. right? 
And again, that goes back to the Dobbs conversation, why he won't be active. You can't have both. Right. I mean, it's going to be mean, hard you to can, figure out. You especially if, if Spillane comes back and then now you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're really moving around your, your special teams guys. Not that that's outside the norm, but it, it makes it a little more difficult. You're going to yeah. all of a sudden say, Marcus Allen, you're going to sit this game. So, I would we, think he's so a, we can have Josh Dobbs for two snaps. Any chance you have two kickers active? No, none. Okay, I mean, none. Boswell, they trust enough. If he, if just, he's, yeah. yeah, if he's healthy, he'll kick. He'll kick, and if he gets hurt during the game, then so be it. So, so be it, yeah. Kicker, right. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. I thought maybe we even should spend a segment this week of who would you have active? Because I'm not sure the the helmet, the the hats are as easy as usual because they're pretty healthy. Yeah, they're they're as healthy as they have been in it's a long, a long time. Yeah, it's right. a good problem to have, but... And the Raiders <laughs> and the Dobbs of the world are at least making a case where they never did before. Right. You know? And, it's, it, maybe and you, can't, back. you can't have Dobbs active over Rudolph. No. That makes no sense at all. Yeah. You'll lose then if Ben... Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that costs you the playoffs. Either, Absolutely. Right? If Ben can't go or gets hurt. We're going to take another break, though. That's a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. Our coverage here on Steelers Nation Radio for the playoffs is brought to you by Ford and FedEx. Uh, we're yeah. going to be back with more Steelers talk right after this. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson on the drive. Of course, brought to you uh, here as uh, all of our Steelers uh, playoff coverage is by FedEx and Ford. Um, Sean Smith's crew is going to be doing the game. Oh, yeah. You sent me that. On, and I never on, dug into it. I on to, Sunday. I wanted to ask you about here are that. The, here are the crews uh, for the weekend. Brad Allen's crew will do the Indianapolis-Buffalo game. Okay. John Hussey's crew, which the Steelers saw him back-to-back weeks, uh, he will do the Rams and Seahawks game. Scott Novak will do the Tampa Bay-Washington game. Jerome Boger will do the Baltimore-Tennessee game. Alex Kemp will do the Chicago-New Orleans game. Now, I bring this up because I did a little digging last night. Okay. Uh, and I was interested. You know, we've talked all season long about oh, the, there the being holding fewer penalties, holding penalties right. and more pass interference penalties. Right. On the two bad ones for the defense. Yeah. So I was looking at this. Uh, Sean Smith's crew has called 22 holding penalties this year okay. in six in 17 games they, they, they go yeah. every week that's 17 games i assume right? uh and they, they have called 24 pass interference penalties the 24 pass interference penalties is tied for the second most really in the league. i didn't know that's a heavy one that's a uh, yeah the most how about this alex kemp's uh, crew who's if you're going to watch the chicago new orleans game alex kemp's crew led the nfl with 42 holding penalty calls okay which is more than two a game. Yeah, right. Two really good D lines is what yeah. I'm thinking of that game, and too. And also led the league with 30 pass interference penalties called. So there's a lot of flags when he. It's going to. The flags are going to be flying, and the defenses might not be super. Well, uh, if the holding penalties hold up, they'll yeah, be Yeah, right, right, big. right. But a lot of flags in his games, which probably the average fan that doesn't have a, a dog in the race watching that game won't like. Yeah, that's 72 of those negative penalties, like wow. one way or the other. Um, if you're looking at. Uh, Sean Hockley's crew called the second most holding penalties. They had 39. 
Most of the crews, though, uh, Hussey's crew called 31. Carl Cheffer's crew called 30. Those are the only ones... Those are the only ones that were over 30. I mean, that's all under two per game. That's under two per game. How about this? Bill Vinovich's crew called 14 holding penalties all season long. Wow. And 11 pass interference penalties. Wow. That's it. That was that's the lows it. on both of those. Wow. I mean, one way that helps the defense is you can be a little grabby <laughs> and stuff, but then you can't. Well, actually, T- Tony Corrente's crew only called 10 pass interference penalties, wow. but they had 29 holds. Vinovich's crew called 25 total. Holding and pass interference penalties. So you you started that's that's crazy. You started this conversation saying <laughs> that's the crew won a game. That's less than we are, right. I mean, Seventeen games. <laughs> the crew doing the Steeler game, I forget who the, the head dude is and Sean Smith. Okay. They're they don't call holds, right? They're low on that they list. Called twenty two holds all year long, but they called twenty four pass interference penalties. Um, if you look at it, that okay. probably you would say, well, that benefits the Steelers because they they drew the second most. They draw a lot of pass PIs. Yeah, they were number Playpool two in particular. They were number two behind Tampa Bay. Tampa uh-huh. Bay drew twenty four for the season. The Steelers drew nineteen. Okay, I mean Tampa's the deepest throwing team in the league. But the team that led the league with the fewest pass interference penalties called against them this year was Cleveland. It was Cleveland okay with four? Wow, four. Wow. Now you could say you, play a fair amount of man coverage, you actually too. have to be close to a receiver. If you're getting smoked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking, like, how does that affect this game? I mean, without question, any game the Steelers play, you want people to call holds more than you don't. Because yeah. their D line is their strength, obviously. And they get the ball out so quick that you know, the the holding thing doesn't affect the Steeler passing game as much. But you know this going in, and of course the whole coaching staff does, and they they know all these trends better than us, and you know they they monitor these things too. Maybe you take more deep shots than usual. Well, I think you do anyways, just because. Well, it worked last. It week. worked, yeah. yeah it worked last that's week. what they right. that's what they struggle with. I mean, yeah. they're they're deep. Yeah, they allow a lot. They allow quite yeah. a bit down the field, and and Claypool deserves it. Yeah. Um, how about Brad Allen's crew this year? I don't think I mentioned this one. He's doing the Indianapolis-Buffalo game. Okay. They called 14 holding penalties all season long. Wow. But 24. They had the same number as Sean Smith's crew for, tied for second most uh, pass interference penalties, 24. Wow. You want to talk about really hamstringing the defense. You're not going to call holding penalties. No, right. But you're going to call you're a whole, call bunch of, whole bunch of uh, pass interference penalties. I mean, it's a pretty big enough sample size. We different if you like, boy, they play, you know, Ravens offense is much different than – the Bills, you know, yeah. or whatever. I mean, or the Steelers. I mean, but 17 games, I wonder if there's stats out there like, what's the average score in a Hussey? Hussey oh, uh, I'm sure they, I'm sure you know it's I mean? easily like, found, yeah. You know, so that crew, I bet, has the most points scored or most yardage, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but you'd have to be an intrepid reporter like me to look that up. Man. Oh, yeah, you'd have <laughs> this, to be. This took me about a half an hour to go through this last night to sure. figure out these, these stats. The Vegas folks know, though. Oh, they know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that's a big thing in the betting world is bet on – you know, bet the refs. Yeah. yeah and they, they tell you, you know, a lot. It, it does tell you a lot. You can figure out, okay, they call more penalties on the home team or they call more penalties mm-hmm. on the road team, all kinds of stuff like that that you can look at. And That has to be true in every sport, the more I think about it. I mean, oh, yeah. a home plate umpire calls a lot of strikes. Officials, or, you know, certain officials have things that they look for. Yeah. Um, or you're just going to be a little more, I mean, hockey, I bet there's Or you overlook, is, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'd let it go. More or, importantly, overlook. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking like hockey and basketball, like, I bet there's some that in the last two minutes they don't call anything, and you know it. Yeah. Or, boy, this guy's going to be tough, or, 
you know, Jordan's never going to get a foul and with this guy's out there, that type of thing. Or he's going to get every foul or he's when get every guy's yeah. out there. Uh, but, yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting that um, the Steelers were 1-1 one one in game. Sean Smith uh, did for them. He did their uh, game against – got to remember now. He did the Bills game, and he did the game against the Texans. So okay. nothing really – Neither of which I thought – the ref would have changed anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that that you know he made any glaring errors or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it, it is worth noting that his crew and these are uh, you know they they do this by merit. These are the, the crews. Yeah, they all get graded. Just like um, so these are the else. these are the next week's the, games will be the top crews. Right, like these are the seven or the six best crews out of I assume like twenty. There's there's gonna be more than seventeen. I, I think there's than, seventeen crews. Is there? Yeah, because there's sixteen games every given week. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a backup. So, nine of them got left at home this weekend. Four of them will come back the um, next week. So, actually, mm-hmm. these are the, the these are crews. Uh, what five through ten for the year? The top crews will come back then next week. You don't think crew one's working this week? No, they give them the week off. They go. They get a buy. They go to the to next week, and then the the, hmm. the top two. Uh, they then they do this. They decide who does the Super Bowl. Okay. That's the top crew. That's odd to me. You wouldn't use your best guys this weekend. Well, you got to give them all. I mean, there's a, there is a, a an officiating union, and I'm sure they Just negotiate once this. Once a week. I mean, I know they have real jobs and do other <laughs> things, but this is a goofy conversation. Do you think refing would be much better if they were full time? I really don't. I don't think it would matter. Like, like what would you do on Tuesday? Yeah. Between oh, you could go through tape. Right, or maybe you go to a practice here and there, and the real when the world opens yeah, up. But I don't know that makes you a much better ref. You know, I, I think that they've now trended toward a lot younger guys i think we mm-hmm. see a lot of younger officials in the league you don't see the you know the 55 year old guys running up and down the field as much as you used to yeah um but yeah i i don't think that makes any difference really mm-hmm. besides the, the and i don't know that a lot of these guys wouldn't want to do that i don't think they would either some of them make good money doing it. absolutely they, they'd give yeah. up refing i mean some of them are lawyers and bankers you know whatever yeah. making they own money. their own companies i mean you have to have some Right. Flexibility to be an official in the NFL. You've sure got a you pretty good job. Off it if that's, I mean, yeah. But you have a lot of free time with the rest of the year. Yeah. Interesting. But, so. uh, yeah, that's the crew. It's Sean Smith crew doing the game this week. So uh, keep your eye out for more pass interference penalties in this football game. Chase Claypool, take note. Yes. Um, and those weren't called last week. No, they were a little lenient on that. Yeah, so yeah. that's worth keeping an eye on. But uh, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lolly. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers. Nation Radio. Uh, of course, our, our coverage here in the playoffs brought to you by FedEx and Ford. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for the Fantasy Football Focus. Right. We'll do that right after this. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. We are back with our ongoing uh, playoff coverage here, brought to you by uh, FedEx and Ford, and it's time for the fantasy football focus, Matt. And I thought we'd take a little look here at something different than what we typically do on Tuesdays, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a rankings here for, and you were talking about this. You're in a league that I've it, done it a couple times. Yeah, it's going to draft players, 
I'm going to do it tonight, actually. I didn't know we were going to have this segment. It's I didn't know it either. Yeah. I just just something I wanted to look at. Uh, but you go cumulative throughout the playoffs. You get the points for that player's points throughout the playoffs. Right. It's a total playoff combination. But you got to try to pick players who are gonna, you think are going to stay alive for more than one game. Absolutely. <laughs> and I guess this year is different, like all playoffs, where it used to be there was two bye weeks. So if you pick a guy on a bye, you're forfeiting a week's worth of production. Right. But you want the Chiefs if you think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like only two teams. Are but it's very valuable if you find a team like a, a team in previous years that was a three seed. Now you can go to the two seed in a lot of cases. Right. Who's going right, to get that right, extra right. playoff game? Yeah. The more I think about it, like if you think the Saints can go to Green Bay and win, which doesn't sound great, or Seattle or somebody like that. or Where Buffalo can Buffalo. go to Kansas City. Buffalo's or, a good yeah. one. You know, I think Buffalo could win in, in Kansas City. Maybe that's the team you hit the hardest. I mean, they're also a pretty good offense. Yeah. You know? uh, so looking at that, and they have, uh, they have they've not only got the, these guys ranked, but they also have draft money values on them. I'm trying to remember because I didn't do it last. My problem with this every year is I get an email on Sunday <laughs> saying join it, and then the week goes by so fast, and I'm, there's a lot going on. I never fill out a bracket. I'm like, ah, crap, I forgot. So I didn't do one last week but, or last year, but I think most of them – you get a hundred bucks to spend. You know, you can't just take the top guy and right. position everyone have the same guys. So, according to this ranking, this is this is from four for four dot com. Stefan Diggs should be the number one player taken in a PPR. Which goes back to the Bills conversation. Yeah. I mean he led the league in receptions and yardage. His uh the, the, great matchup in week one. They also list their expected games. Their expected games is two point six two. Interesting. Um his total okay. fantasy points then in two point six two games is sixty one point two points. So his draft value is $38.30. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I'm on board with that. He's healthy. I mean, yeah. it's a good offense. They're playing this week. I think they'll win. But if you don't, then you're in trouble. Yeah. The number two player, Alvin Kamara, uh, 2.77 games. They think there's a better so chance. I assume they, they think he's playing. They, they obviously think he's playing. He's still on the COVID list. That's mm-hmm. a bit of a problem. Uh, 58. But I certainly like their chances of advancing. Yeah. Fifty-eight point three total points, yeah, and thirty-eight dollars and thirty cents to spend yeah. on him. Number three player, Travis Kelsey. Fool, just having a tight end is so nice. His his uh, expected games is two point two. His total fantasy points is fifty point seven, uh, and his draft value is thirty-six dollars and eighty cents. Hmm. I'm just sitting here kicking around in my head though, like. Kelsey's better than Mark Andrews, obviously, yeah. and much better year. But if Andrews plays three games and Kelsey plays two, I might rather have Andrews. Perhaps. You know what I mean? Perhaps. Um, at the same time, you know, Kelsey's production is... A, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Compared to the other tight ends, especially the ones that, you know, there's no... You know, you're not going to have... Uh, a lot of other big tight ends in this no, in this I mean, playoffs. Trying to think who—that's uh, why Andrews was the name I came up with. Like, who else do I even? They have actually have comp- Jared Cook ranked second among the tight ends. Wow. I mean, they must be high in the Saints. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, I, I can understand that. Um, you're not going to find many uh, football teams or Bears on this. No, list. you're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Number four on this list, QB one, Josh Allen. Yeah, I would think he's my QB because he's going to get the extra game in there. He's right, going to right. get 2.62 games, just like uh, the, the same mm-hmm. uh, thing with with Diggs. I mean, I'm taking him over Ben or yeah. Breeze. Sixty-five point seven fantasy points for the total yeah. for the playoffs. Thirty-five point one dollars. See, I, I have not seen the list. I'm not even sure who my second quarterback would be. 
I, I guess think. Lamar would be my second we'll quarterback. get there. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Adams comes in five on this list. Good um, one, wide receiver two, one. 2.18 games, uh, $34.30, uh, 57 total fantasy points. Michael Thomas. Remember, rec- though, remember your point yesterday, NFC defenses are harder. Yes, and I, I, I think yeah, yeah. that's certainly worth noting here. Uh, Michael Thomas is number three at wide receiver three, 2.77 games, uh, $32.60. He's not guaranteed to play, though, this week either. Right. I mean, I assume they think he's both those guys, him and Kamara, are. Tyreek Hill comes in at number seven. His sure. wide receiver four, uh, $30.09 on him, fi- 53.8 points in, in essentially 2.2 games. One other note, weather's important. And yes. You know Green Bay is not going to go on the road. You know Kansas City is not going to go on the road. Buffalo and Pittsburgh aren't exactly warm weather towns. Yeah, not really. If you Seattle. look at the entire AFC playoff field, there are no, no warm right, weather games. Right, right. I mean, that's kind of one of the things, I guess, in the Saints' favor. They'll probably have two dome games. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is eight, so he'd be quarterback two. Uh, 53.3 points, $22.70. Yeah. Again, they think they're going to play 2.2 games, which right. is big. Uh, Aaron Rodgers comes in at nine. He is QB three. Uh, expected games two point one eight. And I was curious who who do they think will play more games, the Packers or Chiefs? Twenty dollars and ninety cents. So I mean, the big difference there that extra game between Josh Allen and the next two quarterbacks is is worth thirteen or fourteen dollars according to this. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it'd be great to have Mahomes and Rodgers. But you're starting in a huge hole. I mean, yeah, you're, else in your you're giving up points, thirty points right off the bat. Yeah, you know, with a quarterback, you better hope that they get to the Super Bowl. They better, yeah, they can't. <laughs> if they get upset, you're done. Yeah, you know, um, Aaron Jones comes in at ten. Uh, he is RB two, and uh, he comes in at uh, total points is forty point two, twenty dollars and two cents, twenty dollars and twenty cents, I should say. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees comes in at QB four, um, forty eight point one points, seventeen and a half dollars. I'd rather Lamar. It's a big difference there. Yeah. Lamar yeah, comes in. weather. I don't want Breeze in Green Bay. Lamar comes in at 12. Uh, he's QB5. 1.9 games is his designation. He's the top uh, Raven on this list. Uh, 45 total fantasy points and $14.40. Okay. But if you think they're going to win, that gets you to two games. Yeah. And I think they here's could the pro- win Here's three. the problem, get though. Get to three games. If they win, there's a very strong chance they got to go to Kansas City in round right, two. Right, right. That's what I'm assuming. And that's that's what you're looking at here. That's why they're you know when you're looking at them, it's 1.9 games. Which they... I get. I just think two games of Lamar and Andrews is pretty beneficial for the cost so far. Or Dobbins. Um, I'm leaning towards building a Ravens stacked lineup. But... Jared Cook. Uh, comes in at tight end two. They love the Saints. Well, it's, it's two point seven seven games. They That's get the highest. Key, they get the right. highest total point, yeah, yeah, point yeah. game or get number of games. He comes in at twenty seven point six points. That's thirteen dollars and seventy cents. Andrews is fourteen. He's tight end three. Um, I don't think the Saints can upset the Packers though. Twenty seven points and thirteen point one. Or thirteen dollars yeah. and ten cents. So not a huge difference. There. No, no, that makes sense. But you could get the extra game out of that. Exactly. Um, Tom Brady comes in at fifteen. I don't uh, dislike that. They got them at 2.1 games. He's the top uh, Tampa Bay player on here, and that's $12.30. But their first matchup isn't easy, yeah. unfortunately. They'll right. probably win and they'll advance, but they may not put up a lot of points against Washington. DK Metcalf is our first Seattle Seahawk on the mm-hmm. list. He comes in at wide receiver 5, uh, 2.01 games, uh, $12.20 for DK Metcalf. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Derrick Henry comes in at RB3, 
Yeah, you mentioned before that that's one point five five games for them. So they, you know, they're not the guaranteed to move on from that. Oh, no, right. Um, you're looking at eleven dollars and ninety cents to get Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry could have a huge game against. The, he could have a monster yeah. game, and if he does, they probably win. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, in fact, his his uh, scoring uh, for the total fantasy points is uh, thirty one point nine. I wonder how he compares to, like, Jonathan Taylor. Well, we'll uh, get there. I know, I know. I'm just jumping ahead. Uh, Chris Goblin is 18. He's wide receiver 6, uh, $10.50. $10. I like the Bucks ideas. Yeah. Uh, Robert Tanyan, tight end 4. Yeah, they're probably going to play two games. $10.30. 24.2 points. I've come around on him. Yeah. Uh, Chris Carson comes in at RB4, uh, $10.10. No Steelers yet, by the way. We're not to the Steelers yet, no. Uh, Mike Evans, wide receiver 7. He's $9.70 is what you should spend on. I guess I'd rather have Godwin than Evans, but that's close. Gronk comes in at tight end five at number 22. This, I don't like this. $9.50. Uh, all three of their receivers are 23.4 point, or 23.4 yeah. points in the playoffs. That's not going to do, yeah. do it for you. Uh, we have our first stealer, Deontay Johnson. I'm cool with that. Uh, wide receiver eight. Uh, they're projecting 1.89 games for the okay. Steelers, so they think they're going to win this one for sure. Right, but that gets you to two. Yeah, yeah it gets right. you two. Uh, 31.8 points, $8.90. I like it. Uh, at that price, he may be on my team. Uh, John Brown is wide receiver nine. This shows you the difference here between Brown and Deontay Johnson. Brown comes in at 2.62 games and $8.80 for 31.7 points. That's... Point one points projected less than what Deontay Johnson is in a fewer one game fewer. Yeah, but Deontay's a one and Brown's a two. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Diggs is one overall. Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 10. He's been down lately, though. There are only two players this year that had, I believe, uh, or, yeah, two players with 100 catches, 1,000 yards, and double digit touchdowns. Really? One Devontae was, Adams. One was Devontae Adams. The other one was Tyler Lockett. Really? I mean, he started the season on fire, but yeah. he's been slow. It's just so yeah, sporadic. Right. You never well, know when it's going to happen. It is. Uh, he's wide receiver 10, $8.80. Uh, Nick mean, Chubb. I think DK Metcalf's going to get Ramsey. Yeah. So it could be a good Lockett game. Nick Chubb comes in at RB5, 1.47 games, uh, 27.5 points, $7.50. $7. I mean, if they win... Then they go to Kansas City, most likely, and they would run on Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win. Russell Wilson, all the way down at 27. A little See, value here. cheap to me. It's just someone that's got a real good chance to advance. Yeah. Uh, 37.3 fantasy points, $6.70. He might him. be my quarterback. That would not be a bad one. Right. Yeah. I think they could actually win in Green Bay, too, but I don't think the Saints can. Yeah. If it gets to that point. Uh, Ronald Jones comes in as RB6. You can get it running backs cheap on this. I guess, RB6 yeah. is, uh, and he's, he's going to play two games. $6.70. Yeah. I mean, two games of a running back. I if bet you want to spend up to get a, a right. guy like Kelsey Giggs or someone or, like yeah, that, right. then, then this is where you get your value. That's not bad. Uh, Dawson Knox is tight end six. Speaking of Jones, I mean, he may get the ball a ton in the fourth quarter. They may be up big. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Dawson Knox comes in $6.30, uh, 20.2 uh, 20. fantasy points. Yeah, it's a leap of faith. Emmanuel Sanders. Comes in as wide receiver 11. Uh, that's $5.80 for 28, 28.7 fantasy points. I'd rather Claypool or Juju than him. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's back, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's RB7, 
Uh, $5.40 uh, for 25.4 fantasy points projected. It's not bad if you think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, right. you get three games out of the guy if you think he's going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, Eric Ebron comes in as tight end seven. I'd have Ebron ahead of Dawson Knox. Yeah, say Dawson Knox is too high. Um, 18 and a half fantasy points, $4.60. Not bad value. Yeah. I mean, they throw him the ball. Logan Thomas. I'll take Logan. Well, that's only one game. Though. It's only one yeah, game, yeah, though. He's, he's $4.10. Uh, their projection on him, he's the first uh, Washington player on this mm-hmm. list. Uh, uh, 1.34 playoff games projected, yeah. uh, but 18 points. I mean, he's highly productive. Highly targeted, yes. Wide receiver, uh, I'm sorry, running back eight is James Conner. I'm cool with that. Again, I would play him a lot. Uh, he comes in at $3.90, 23.9 fantasy points. I think that's legit. Uh, A.J. Brown. I mean, the Bills, if you get the Bills in the second round, you can you run a, a nice yeah. game, yeah. Uh, A.J. Brown is wide receiver 12, uh, expe- uh, 26.6 fantasy points, $3.70. That's a rough one. I, I don't think they're going to win. They don't I have a good matchup, yeah. Yeah. Devin Singletary is RB9, uh, 23.2 points, $3.20. J.K. Dobbins is RB10. I'm, I'm buying that. 23.1 fantasy points and $3.10. I think they're going to win. I mean, if you get two games out of that guy for that price, that's a great that's a great bargain to make. Ryan Tannehill is QB8. Um, they're going to win, though. $2.30, 32.9 points. Uh, Juju the more Smith. I think about this, you can't take a quarterback that you think is only going to play one game. You can't. I mean, it a just hamstrings you. Be yeah. On a good team. Yeah. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster comes in at wide receiver 13, 25.1 fantasy points, $2.20. I'll take that risk. Jonathan Taylor comes in at uh, running back 11, $1.80 for 21.8 points. That's not bad. But it might be one game. It might be one game, but yeah. if you get two, you won. Latavius Murray could be a nice value, though. That's not bad. Uh, he's RB12, 21 and a half fantasy points. That could be much higher than that. It could be much lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's $1.50. And what if Kamara doesn't play? And what if Kamara doesn't play? $1.50. Mm-hmm. That's, That's where you save right. some money there. Uh, David, That's a good one. Yeah, David That's Montgomery. That's your, your cheap guy yeah. or whatever. That's a good one. Because he, he can get goal line carries, too, potentially. He's going to play two games, yeah. too, at a minimum. Uh, David Montgomery comes in at RB13. That's a one-gamer. That's their lowest yeah, uh, 1.22 ga- uh, games. I can't imagine taking a bear. 21.4 points, uh, $1.40. Antonio Gibson is right below him at RB14. He's $1.30. Yeah, Antonio good. Brown at $1.30. I don't dislike that. Yeah, that, that could be pretty good. No, they've got him a lot more incorporated in the offense. And Evans isn't 100%. All right. How about Robert Woods at $0.40? Cents? I think they could beat Seattle. Yeah. I'd like to know if Goff's playing, but Would be I think good they to could know. beat Seattle. Yeah. Uh, Zach Moss comes in at RB15 at 40 cents. No. Cam Akers comes in at number 47, RB16 at 10 cents. I don't think that's bad. You're going to get production out of it. I mean, if you, if, at if least that's, give yeah. you 20 touches probably. But it might only be for one game. It might only, but still, that's cheap. Marquise Brown comes in at wide receiver 16 at no cost. No cost. No cost. How about this one? Down at 51. We're down to the players who are, are cost you nothing. Ben Roethlisberger, QB9. If you think they're going to beat the Browns. 30.6 points. Right. But if you t- if you do that and they and they only play the two games, then, right. you know. I mean, I just said a minute ago, you want to take a quarterback who thinks to play the most games. But, it's no, it's, but if you think they're going to they're going to beat the Browns, they're going to get two games out of them. Mm-hmm. You can get Kelsey and Diggs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
Now you're just, talking. Right, because the Steelers don't advance. One of those two are. Right. Or both of them are, you know. That ain't bad. Yeah, I mean. I, I like Ben's chances of playing two games. Yeah, and I mean. they throw a lot. Chase Claypool is actually minus one point two dollars. I'm buying Chase Claypool for my for if you're gonna give him if you're gonna pay me to take for twenty one point seven points. I'll take him. Yeah, he'll play two games at least. Yeah, Kareem, right. uh, Kareem Hunt is minus one minus dollar fifty uh, at eighteen and a half points. I don't know if I love that one, but no. I'm just looking for values here at this point. It's interesting that they go negative. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup minus three point two. <laughs> They might win. <laughs> they might win. Right. And his production is 19.7 points. Even if they don't win, you get it's a 19.7 point. you know. Right, right, right. I mean, that gets you Kelsey. That gets you right. Yeah. Um, T.Y. Hilton is minus $4. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard either. I don't think they'll win, but it's not crazy talk. Yeah. I, I, That's interesting. There's I'm not to build yeah. a roster tonight. I'll let you know what I do. Okay. Yeah, that, we could Send talk about that. Too, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Like easier, yeah, we could, we could do that, too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean, that's an interesting take on, on fantasy football. Uh, you know, especially if you do the – I don't know if your league does the negative values. You probably have to bid at least something on I don't them. know. I, I have an email sitting there that I haven't opened. I'll, I'll dig into it. But if you can get those guys – I mean, you have to figure – like, you're all bidding blindly. Because you have a certain amount of money to build your lineup. I, th- I assume it's like a DFS thing. Like yeah. You get 100 bucks and build whatever you can. So if you're going to get, for example, if you get a guys for a dollar mm-hmm. or zero, um, you know, you could, and, and, and they have, the the world, and right? they have some value, and then yeah. you can go get some of these other guys who you think are going to be around. If you could go get uh, Diggs for $38, uh, Kelsey for 36 well, that gets you to 74 Mm-hmm. Um, so now you you know now you need to save some money on quarterback position. Well, okay, Roethlisberger's nothing. All right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Know, I'll, I'll take two games there and get those two guys. I've seen some of them that they have a defense too. Okay. Which can be fun. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I'm sure there's different formats. Some some are probably two quarterbacks. Some are because is there is there only. really a big is there a difference between taking Josh Allen for thirty five dollars and taking Roethlisberger for nothing? They both. Only, there's a good chance they both only play two games. Right. And you'd rather have Allen, but I'd rather have one of them. Probably one of them. Tomorrow. One of them's going to play three, potentially. One of them's probably going to play three. But is it worth thirty-five dollars? <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, that's a big chunk of your budget, obviously. Yeah. So here's my question to you, because I liked a lot of the cheap guys. Who do you pay up for? From the Chiefs? No, just period. Oh, period. Of the super expensive guy. Who, which one are you <sighs> buying? It might be Kelsey. Maybe Kelsey, because there's such a big difference there between him and yeah. the other tight ends. Unless you can go get some some nice mid ranged running back slash wide receivers, a bunch of BB plus type guys. Yeah, if you could go get say Aaron Jones at twenty dollars, I just didn't like any of the other tight ends to match with. Uh, I'm not paying for Jared Cook. I mean, Mark Andrews is thirteen dollars. He's Cook the only is, one I consider. Jared Cook is thirteen dollars. Um, you know, maybe you go do you go Rob Tanyan for ten bucks and that's not bad because they could win three. Yeah, I mean they could play a lot of games. That's not bad. Maybe I would do that. I'm just trying to think because I like the clay pools and cups ideas. So who am I buying then? Right. You know, who am I really spending for? Kelsey's the one that kind of jumped out to me. There's so many receivers. I'd have a hard time buying Diggs. I mean, I think yeah, he's great I, and he should yeah. be one, but there's other good options. $38 there. for Diggs is too much. I, I mm-hmm. would probably look. I mean, you can get Michael Thomas for 32 and save 6 bucks. Yeah, right, right, you right. You can get uh, – I mean, Deontay Johnson to me is not that much different than Diggs. 
you can get a, a, a wide receiver five, uh, or how about wide receiver six is Chris Goblin at 10 bucks? Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're going to win. <laughs> yeah. Right. And if you think the Steelers are going to win, I'll take Deontay. Right. I, don't th- I really don't think he's much different than Diggs. No, I mean, he's going to get peppered with targets. And, sure. Yeah, I mean, figure, they throw a lot. He's going to get eight catches for, you know. Good chance of winning the first they game. They threw down the field the last, you know, he had three mm-hmm. catches for 96 yards last week against his team. Right, right, right. No, he's going to be on my team. Yeah. Deontay's so, the one I'm penciling in. Uh, but that's interesting. That's fun. I'm yeah, let, let us know that. tomorrow who you take in that yeah, league, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lolly. That was the Fantasy Football Focus. If you're you're going to do a, a playoff league, uh, those are some ideas for, yeah, that's for you to stuff. look at there. That's interesting. Um, our uh, coverage here on Steelers Nation Radio brought to you by Ford and FedEx. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Back to our playoff coverage, uh, brought to you by Ford and FedEx. And uh, Matt, uh, we've gone to the uh, DVOA rankings on Football Outsiders all season long as part of the show. Uh, the Steelers finishing uh, eighth this year in total DVOA um, at uh, plus 16.8. Um, that's just ahead of the Rams, just behind the Ravens. Okay, I mean, the Ravens finished very strong. I did a power ranks, and I had Baltimore ahead of Pittsburgh right now. So the top uh, the top teams according to this, and I know they're not super excited about the Chiefs, which right. is a totally different conversation. But they don't. I, I listened to a Football Outsiders podcast last week saying this is not a slam dunk. They're no, they're I don't think it is either. The best team, yeah. You know, the, by their rankings, Casey's not that impressive. So number one in the, uh, overall was New Orleans at thirty three point three. Okay. Number that two, shocks me a little bit, but wow. Number two is Tampa Bay at 31.5. For some reason, they do love them. They've loved them all year. All year. And, and here's the thing with the Bucs. They've beaten up on the bad teams. Yes. And when they've played a good team, they've largely gotten their butts handed Especially to them. good defenses. Yeah. You know, they've ran into some good defenses, which worries you a little this week, I guess. Yeah. Um, I've heard Aaron Schatz talk about it, the football outsider founder, and he said, I'm not exactly sure why the formula keeps pumping out the Bucs so high. I, I would keep looking at it, trying to see where the – the glitch or the rub is, and he can't quite figure it out. Green Green Bay is third at twenty five point nine. I buy that. So your top three teams, according to this, Football Outsiders, are all NFC teams, and I don't know that anybody would say that. Most wouldn't. Yeah. Right. I mean, I had the Bills and the Chiefs in my top three in the power ranks. Right. They get the Bills number four at twenty three point eight. Seattle. Even Seattle's five. number five. Wow. Like. Uh, Somebody asked me this question the other day: Is the are these teams actually good, or are they just beating up on the bad teams? Because there's there's more of that than ever this last couple. I, I of really months. think that. I mean, I really think that's a big part of it. everybody was yeah. you know killing the Steelers or like, well, you're just beating bad teams. There's so many who are the good teams? ones? Who are right. the good teams? Especially bad defenses. Yeah, like, I'm pretty convinced that the Trubisky Bears renaissance is because they play terrible. They play bad teams. Right. Yeah. And I have a lot of The spurs. Dolphins were in a, in the playoff hunt because they play bad teams. Yeah, they didn't exactly. beat a, They didn't beat a good team all year. Exactly. And 
I'm super impressed with the Ravens, but this stretch that they're on is against nobodies. Yeah. You know what I, I mean, mean, this is the same stretch of teams that the Steelers were beating up on earlier, and exactly. everybody's, well, the, the Ravens are back. Are they? You're right. I don't know. And I'm thinking about the Chiefs, too, which, again, we haven't got to. They don't beat anybody badly. You're right. They, they squeak by, out. yeah. And I know that Football Siders isn't big on that. If you're a great team, you should blow out the bad teams. Uh, they are sixth in the rankings at 19.5. Are their defense super low, or...? Yes, it's the the schedule is twenty fifth, which hurts you. Yeah, that hurts you. Uh, and their defense is twenty uh, second. Okay, yeah. I think they've had special teams issues too. Actually, yeah, they're they're seventeenth on on special, special teams. teams. Um, Baltimore seventh at eighteen point mm. six, and Pittsburgh eighth at sixteen point eight. You have to go all the way down though to find Cleveland is eighteenth at minus five point wow. six. Minus 5.6. They're the only team in the playoffs with a negative point differential. I mean, I mean, if you start looking at the wow. way the, the way the DVOAs break down here, the teams that are in the AFC playoffs, you got yeah, I'm curious where they're all at. Buffalo at four, Kansas City at six, Baltimore at seven, Pittsburgh at eight. Okay, so four in the top eight, but yeah. not in the top three. Indianapolis is at ten. That sounds about they right. They snuck in. Yeah, Miami was twelve. Tennessee is fourteen. Their special teams is last. I bet. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, they ended up 28th. Wow. They're actually worse. They're actually Team's worse. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland is down at 18, and I believe that's it for the AFC playoff teams. Yeah. I think so, right. So Cleveland, by this, by Football Outsiders DVOA, is the worst AFC playoff team. Yeah. By far. I think that's true. <laughs> by far. By far. Like, like the, Steelers really are, close, the Steelers huh? are 20 points better than them. Yeah, that's in DVOA, that's a massive that's gap. A big gap. That's a massive gap. Where are Washington and Chicago? Are they below the Bears? Or are they below Washington the is actually 16th. Are they? Chicago I mean, is 15th. So they're ahead of the there's Bears. Some, the there, there's too. some real love here for the NFC. Yeah, there are. Uh, you know, I mean, their defenses are all going to rank higher than the Well, and here's, the, here's the thing. The bottom four teams in DVOA this year were the J- Jets, Jaguars, Bengals, Broncos. All, All AFC teams. Yeah, Philadelphia was twenty eight. Detroit twenty seven. The Chargers were twenty six. Chargers thirty second in special teams. By the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that adds up too. They. Uh, then you get the Giants at twenty five. Houston at twenty four. New England was down at twenty two. I mean, a lot of the hmm. so a lot of the bottom feeders were according to DVOA were AFC were teams. AFC teams. You said who they were? Denver, Jacksonville, Jets, and Cincy. Yeah. So there's one in each AFC division too. Right. So every good team got to play. Got to play them, them twice. twice. Yeah. At least. Not which hurts your DV. Which hurts your overall DVOA. Mm-hmm. That adds up, I guess. Uh, defensive DVOA. Uh, the Steelers came in first at t- minus twenty point two. Were the Rams second? I'm just curious. No, New Orleans was second. Washington third. The Rams were fourth. Might see the Washington love then if they were that high. Yeah. Now, here's the thing though, the game against the Browns Sunday counted it against the Steelers. The like, I know. Although they threw out, but they threw out, for example, the game the Steelers played against Baltimore. I say, yeah, I thought you knew that, right? Yeah. Like they threw out some of the COVID games, the Denver no quarterback right. game, and stuff like that. But you didn't, which are new this you year. You didn't throw out Kansas City not playing Mahomes on Sunday. Right, that's that's right, kind right, of a right. big deal. <laughs> you would think that Shots and company would do, done that every year because that's not a new phenomenon, right? You know, but how uh, do you hold that against the Chargers or Browns, right? 
I don't know. That I don't know. Offensive DVOA, the Steelers ended up 22nd at minus 4.7. Okay. Um, so if you're looking here at the, who was number one, it was Green Bay. Kansas City was two. And it's not even close, really. Kansas they, City was 29.1. Or, I'm sorry, Green, Green Bay was 29.1. Kansas City was 23.9. Hmm. Wow, it's a big gap. And it's actually close. Tampa Bay's offense is closer to Kansas City. Or, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay's offense closer to Tampa uh, to Kansas City than Kansas City was to Green Bay. Wow. At number three. Same I mean, thing with Tennessee. Tennessee's offense came in fourth. They're, clo- they're as close. You said Green Bay was one, right? Green Bay's one, Did yeah. you hear this stat? Aaron Rodgers threw more touchdowns than Green Bay punted this year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're awesome in the red zone. They're off, awesome in th- on third downs. It's an amazing number. Uh, Buffalo, by the way, finished mi- uh, minus 2.2 in defense. Minus 2.2 was good for 12th. And it must be an improvement because they were like 20th for much of the year. Yeah. And it um, has gotten better. Special teams DVO- DVOA, Buffalo's fourth. Uh, Cleveland on that list is 27th. Hmm. Uh, I know they have been. Who are, just curious. Their defensive the DVOA couple, is 25th. Who are the top three or four? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening could understand. Oh, the Steelers are good on defense. The Chiefs are good on offense. Who are the top three or four and worst three or four special teams? New England finished number one in special teams. I mean, you get to seven and nine with that roster. That was largely based, though, on that one game against the Chargers where they that made sure like helps. seven great special teams yeah, that's plays. that's a good point. Um, Baltimore was second at 7.4. It's funny. They, every football outsider's almanac always says the Ravens and Patriots are always at the top of the list, and here they are again. Seattle third, uh, Buffalo fourth. Hmm. Steelers finished uh, 14th at 1.4. It's pretty rare to see a bad team at the top. Yeah. Last year, Cincinnati was near the top, but that's rare. The worst teams, the Jets, 29, the Rams at 30. I know. That's a big issue. And they play Seattle this week, who's yeah. three or whatever. Right. Minnesota at 31, and the Chargers at 32. I mentioned Cincy being good last year. Like, the Jets should be okay there. I mean, like, be good at something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? you got a bunch of try-hard guys trying to make the team. Can't you put a decent special teams unit out there? You would think, um, but... Not so much. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the uh, estimated wins for each team, uh, Tampa Bay finished first at 12.8. Wow. They didn't win 12.8 games. No, they didn't. Uh, Buffalo was second at 12.1. Kansas City third at 11.9. New Orleans fourth at 11.8. Uh, Seattle was fifth at 11.4. Green Bay had 11.4. Pittsburgh 10.1 was uh, seventh on that list. I, I th- I, that confuses me a little, but I think that they – accumulate what your score is and if you played the season a thousand times the Steelers would would win 10.1 games yeah you know so fair enough they, yeah all right I mean, it's they did the better than with 12 wins they they outperformed they exceeded it yeah. yeah yeah they exceeded their win total like I remember last year the Chargers were like at 10 wins and they ended up 5 and 11 or something yeah. <laughs> like they should have won 10 with how well they played but just found ways to lose left and right. Yeah, and that's actually the seventh most. So I don't know how that – if you if, if that's the way you played and you came up with the seventh most wins, how does your DV uh, – You shouldn't be the same. Yeah, you would think it would be the same because Baltimore comes out at 9.5 wins. That's 10th, but Baltimore was higher in DVOA. That's interesting Cause, because DVOA does factor in competition. Right. So it's not like, boy, you played great, but you played a really tough schedule, so you should only have nine wins. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Again, that's over my pay grade. According to this, the Colts had the easiest schedule in the league. It's kind of interesting because most projected them to have the easiest schedule in the league when the season opened. Yeah. 
But that division is pretty soft. It's really soft, yeah. yeah. And they lost to one of those teams. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. The Jaguars. We won. Yeah. Anyways, uh, huh. he, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, our coverage is brought to you by uh, FedEx and Ford. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Gene Steratore. Nice. Maybe maybe he'll talk a little bit about some of these uh, holding and other issues <laughs> and pass interference penalties and what to expect in the playoffs. We'll hear from Gene right after this. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lally, Matt Williamson, and uh, Matt, as we like to do every week, uh, um, we'd like to hear back from uh, what Gene Steratore has to say. Uh, Gene, of course, the officiating analyst on uh, CBS Sports. He joins the DVE morning show uh, every week during the season. Always has some good stuff, and it usually has a nice Pittsburgh perspective being a Pittsburgh guy. So uh, let's hear what Gene had to say earlier today on the DVE morning show. Your radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE. It's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show. Joining us now for Zebra Talk, brought to you by your neighborhood Ford stores from the NFL and CBS. NFL officiating guru, Gene Steratore. Gino, good morning. How are you, man? Randy, Randy, happy new year, everyone. Good morning, Bob. Randy, it's great to hear your voice. It is great to hear your voice, man. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice too, buddy. I tell you what, uh, you know, all's right with the world. Steelers are in the playoffs. You know that little losing streak uh, is behind us, and it's uh, all, uh, uh, you know, uh, all all eyes looking forward at the uh, the prize here. You know, you got to get past the brownie Sunday night, eight fifteen. Not really happy about the start time of that game, but uh, you mm-hmm. know, not too much we can do about that. <laughs> now, you know, this game would have been avoided had we beat the Browns. We would have knocked them out. And that could have happened if the officials didn't screw the Steelers again. So let's talk about that. <laughs> For some reason, I had an idea you were going to get to that place, Rand. That was pretty good. Yeah, let's, let's well, you know, talk about it. <laughs> there, ha- there, there have been some teams who seem to have been more snake-bitten than others. The Lions have gotten screwed all year long, it seems like. Now, Steeler fans will tell you every game, T.J. Watt gets held 10, 11 times, doesn't get called. Um there was an, an another egregious missed holding call on a blitz this past Sunday that a number of former Steelers even tweeted out. Now, I understand how that stuff kind of happens once in a while. Mason Rudolph on the interception that really turned the tide of the game. There were uh, uh, there was some hands to the head there. That seemed to me to be a clear cut. Well, there's a rule against this. That's got to come back. Why didn't that get called there? Well. You know, I tried to to recreate the play down as uh, I was watching the replays to see if, you know, something like that, when a quarterback is getting hit in his head or neck area, especially right at the time he's getting ready to release the football, it's really the only place the referee in that case who's working that has to be officiating it. So you want to keep the head neck area and naturally the ball that's in his arm, uh, you know, or his hand still all in one kind of frame for yourself. So I was really perplexed by it and was thinking the only thing that could possibly happen is that some 
at that crucial moment or that second in time that someone, you know, screened the view of the referee because it, it's just a play you, you, you naturally don't want to miss any fouls if you're refereeing. You don't want to miss hits on quarterbacks' heads uh, at any time, though, right? I mean, that's just something that you just don't want to miss. So it's a, it's a head scratcher. And, and you guys are right. Look, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to – I hope sometimes if, if there's mistakes, there's mistakes. If I can try to break them down, I try to do that. The holds are there, and they're not small holds. Those are big holding calls. Um, officials are assigned to specific interior linemen before the snap that you stay with those keys just like players do. Uh, so when you do see the holds, and the, the one that happened with a minute and a half left is is just a brutal takedown by a player. I mean, he gets yeah. tackled in the backfield in isolation. It's, it's, that when you see those types of things, you wonder, you know, the only answer can be that we're not looking in the places that, you know, that officials need to be looking. Um, in that specific play, I did look at that. The, the umpire is not in a good position. You go back and look at that. He's only three yards behind in the offensive backfield. He's still backing up at the time of the snap. So, so he didn't even position himself properly before the play to start the play, and that's his key that tackles this guy. Uh, look, you know, what you hope is uh, we got this out of the way from an officiating lens and from a fan of the game, and, and you know, it's serious now. Not that every game is serious in the NFL, but – we all know that uh, the losers go home now, and uh, yeah. you know you can't miss plays. I, I've all, I was always a proponent of you know what, and, and I don't like this from the general public that say you know let them play, and that type of thing. You do let them play because I do believe players work themselves through hand fighting, and what we would say would be technical, little bit too technical calls. Leave those alone; they will work through them. Uh, but then there is a crossing line there where now people are getting an unfair advantage on certain situations and, and it, and it hurts the game badly by letting things play. And then how do you bring that back into reality or normalcy within the confines of this game? So you've got to, you've got to get fouls that are fouls now and, uh, and stay away from ticky tack things and let these guys do what they do. It's, it's for real now, you know? Yeah. So how many, bad calls or missed calls do you think are a result of the wrong alignment from the referee being in the wrong position? Those are the things that I always look at, right? I mean, that's how we always break things down from what I do for a living and what I've done my entire life. And that's when you look back and see, you know, as a crew, we never wanted to have one or two misses at most per game, right? Collectively. Uh, and you want to hope that always hope that those misses are really tough plays and, and they're judgmental things that you went one direction. And, and after getting your grades or looking at it, you think, shoot, I should have, should have thrown there, should have left it alone. Uh, and then you see things that are head scratchers that we just aren't accustomed to seeing at the NFL level, which are, how do you miss that? You, you, you're obviously not looking where you need to look. That creates a different concern. Uh, when when you're evaluating things and when you look at stuff and uh, and you know you see your sh- you know we we see our share of them it's uh, it's it's there on the canvas and it's hard to uh, to draw back when you see plays that are just missed and go look your receiver is that number two receiver and he gets jammed in his face in the first two seconds of a play there's nothing else you should be looking at other than that player that and that's a different discussion and that's where Cruz. And, and growing through the season, depending on your seniority or, you know, what maybe you, you, you know, it's, it's moving into this, 
that you continue to work on your craft, just like you do when you're a player and, and you're in the NFL. Uh, you don't get too many opportunities to, uh, to make mistakes here. And if you do, uh, you, you have to look for something else to do for, a, you know, for a living. Gene, I was wondering how many of these uh, mistakes you would attribute to these guys trying to screw me on my three-team parlay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's happening a lot, Gene. It's happening too you know, often. Mikey, I can tell you that was always the last five minutes of my pregame on Saturday. Let, we got done with the game. Though. All right, what did you guys see what Pizzuto picked? All right, yeah, we can, we can hurt him here today. Let's, let's see if we can. Don't mess the game up, though, you know? We don't want to make up a difference between a win and a loss. Let's just affect the spread a little bit with him. That way, nobody, no harm, no foul. It's just on Mike. <laughs> one, other call, uh, one other call I wanted to ask you about, Gene, that was in the Lions and Vikings game. Roughing the passer. It was fourth and goal. Lions blitz. They sacked the quarterback. They should get the ball, turnover and downs, but a flag is thrown for roughing the passer. And it was so fast that he was in the backfield and tackled the quarterback. I couldn't believe they were able to determine that he put all his weight on the quarterback or anything like that. Did you see yeah. that play? Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, most definitely did. Yeah, it's a quick blitz right up the middle. The referee, if you watch the play, ran too close to the play. He's within three yards of the play. When you change your your distance from you, what you're officiating from eight to nine yards, which 15 feet away, things slow down to six yards or five, I'm sorry, six feet, five feet. This thing becomes a blur. Now everything grows exponentially. The severity of the call, what it feels like, whether that's enough to, to rise to a level that all changes truthfully by putting yourself five or six feet closer to this. It's, it's a, it, it, it's, it's, it's a huge difference and it doesn't look as much on television, but down on the field in that proximity, the difference is amazing. The thing that's hard with this is if you read the pool report then, which there was to hear the referee break this play down and then defend what he did is what took, I was more concerned on Monday, yesterday after reading the pool report than I was on the reaction seeing that he may have called that or reacted to that because of his proximity and just misinterpreted it. But then you read the pool report, and it's like, no, he felt like he had this whole thing wrapped really in a tight bow, and this is why I called it, and it was body weight, and a player needs to take himself and barrel roll or put himself to the side or brace himself and all these catch words now that I use at times as an analyst and officials use when they're defending themselves. That's football to me. This player does nothing egregious. He tackles a quarterback on a blitzing fashion without egregious contact, doesn't slam him through the ground. It's football. The thing that scares me is when you have a pool report like that, does that mean that that's a play that the NFL office is defending as a correct play? And if so, now that message is being sent around the entire league. And does that lead us to more head scratchers in the future? That was my, my bigger concern was what I read in the poll report, how he defended it by saying it was body weight, as opposed to just pulling back off of that and say, look, this is a judgment play in my judgment. I felt like his body weight was on. Leave it at that. Uh, because, in, you know, I, I watched that play many times. And uh, I, I can't call that a foul. That, those are plays where if I would leave that alone and find out my grade two days later said, Gene, we wanted roughing the passer on that. 
probably quietly in my own mind, in my own home, the conversation would be, if that happens again next week, I'm not going to really call that again and probably get right. downgraded for it. You know, uh, yeah. those are decisions that you make too, Randy, on the field. Not, a, you know, not that grades affect everything you do, but once you have a play like that, you need to have a discussion as a group, uh, an individual, and then collectively the referees need to have that discussion. And those are the plays you need to show and have talk about because we, we don't want that type of stuff, in my opinion. Look, officials have to call fouls when they're fouls. And if it's the last play of the game and it's a foul that causes one team to win or lose, you know, you don't want to hear, let them play, it's the end of the game. No, work the play, okay? But fouls are fouls and things that aren't fouls leave alone now. You know, this is, it's, it's a cut and dry. You know, I, I feel like, that's why I love watching Coach Tomlin's post game. That's how you have to officiate, right? It's next play, but but don't mess up. Feeling there's not a lot of time for talk right now. It's get these things right, and uh, and that's where you're at now as we prepare. This is you know these players will play a little different this week. Yeah. Uh, it's not the fraternity now. We've talked about that in the past. It's the postseason, and if I get a chance to take you out legally, I'm taking you out. Uh, we want to play next week. The game changes a little. Doesn't mean you change the way you officiate right now, but you understand the magnitude of the game and the level of intensity, whether you like it or not, fans or not, is increasing exponentially within four days. And that's what makes this game so wonderful. And officials need to be prepared for those plays what you do now is when plays end, you get yourself around the big guys, you get yourself around the talkers, you let them talk a little trash. It's great to do right now. Let the intensity raise. Don't let it get out of hand. But, but that's what you do right now. Now you, you, uh, you get the big stuff and you get out of the way. Well, thankfully, the Browns and the Steelers don't have a history of letting things get out of control. <laughs> 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 you, this, this will be a great week in the NFL and at Pittsburgh and Cleveland. You know, I grew up in and was in high school in the early '80s in Brian Sipe and and the and the Browns who had maybe Cardiac one of the kids. best teams they ever had. Uh, and Pittsburgh wasn't too shabby, and they were neither were the Houston Oilers. But when you can match up divisional rivals in the postseason. Uh, it's just what you said, Rand. Like, you know, I mean, it's what we all grew up doing. Uh, yeah. And this will make things even better. Uh, and, and let's just hope that we get the plays we need to get and the right team wins because they outperform their opponent. Gene Steratore brought to you by your neighborhood Ford store this morning from the NFL on CBS. Always a pleasure, Gino. Thanks so much. And hopefully we're going to be talking about the Steelers next game next week. That sounds great. Mikey, don't send me your parlay until Friday afternoon or so. <laughs> I'm giving it to you too early. It's, it's on me. I take I take responsibility. We'll get it fixed. <laughs> Thanks, Gino. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, guys. Take care. That was CBS Sports officiating analyst Gene Steratore on the DVE Morning Show earlier today. Uh, we like to listen to Gene uh, every week. We didn't have yeah. him last week because the, the DVE Morning Show wasn't in. But uh, strange times of late. But yeah. yeah. But uh, and always good stuff from him. Always good stuff. And that's going to do it for our show today. I hope it was good stuff from us. Uh, but for my partner, Matt Williamson, uh, for Jacob here on site, again, our coverage brought to you by Ford and uh, FedEx. I'm Dale Lolly. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.